Yeah, it's party time. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. I was just sitting here with my buddy Taylor Hanson. We were talking about bowling league on Tuesday night, uh, which was last night. And let me tell you something. I lit it up. Lit it up. Uh, I'm a, such a nerd, Taylor. <laughs> Before we get to you, Taylor, uh, of course, Kayla is at the helm, which I love because she's my favorite person in the world. And Super Chris Cruz and Let's Love Brandon at the helm. We're getting into the deep in the nether regions. I don't know. This may be an episode that gets banned. We'll see how it goes, because if you guys are not following Taylor Hansen, who's sitting right here in the hot seat, you need to be. Taylor, and and I'm trying to think about how I want to get into this, because we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about January 6th. We're going to talk about these drag things that are going on. And I want to spend the whole episode with you talking about this. Let's start with January 6th. So you were there. Yes. Most everybody listening or watching thinks they know what happened on January 6th, right? They think they know. There's this hearing going on right now, which nobody's watching. Um, It's not getting the fanfare and the attention they thought it was going to get. Nobody cares. Mm. Literally nobody cares. You're the one person. I know a lot of people who were there on January 6th. Uh, A lot of people have been subpoenaed. A lot of people have been arrested. I've got people that are close acquaintances, and they're still in limbo, right? You're trying to get subpoenaed. You're trying to. And they just won't do it. What happened? Take me back to that day. What you saw. And why in the hell do you want the government to get you in there with them and (laughs) close that room and interrogate you? You know, I'll start from the beginning is, you know, of course, it started at the Trump rally at the Ellipse. Mm -hmm. And it moved, you know, from, you know, I was just interviewing people. I actually tried to get in, but then I had my vest on, my Kevlar vest, because I originally went to go and cover Antifa violence, because usually when Trump supporters split off, Antifa will ambush people and attack them. And Mm -hmm. I overheard a group, you know, talking about, hey, we're going to go to the Capitol. We're heading to the Capitol. And this is when Trump is still speaking. And in my mind, it's like, okay, you know, a lot of these people worship Trump. You know, they're not going, this is his last speech as president, you know, the Save America speech. They're not going to leave mid-speech. This is a huge thing for him. And, you know, I gather with this group and they leave and I am standing on what is called the Peace Monument. And all of a sudden, this very first group that, you know, we walked to the Capitol with pushes down the barriers. And this group had Ray Epps, Ryan Samsel in it, you know, the video of Ray Epps whispering in Ryan Samsel's ear, and then he gets aggressive and pushes the barrier down. And then the second barrier goes down, not even 30 seconds after that. And that was about 19 minutes from when Trump was, he actually had 19 minutes left in his speech. So he wasn't even done speaking when the Capitol was actually breached. And that first barrier gets breached. Everyone just fills in. I mean, no one knows what's going on except this very first group. There's just a mass crowd of people just started to follow. Mm -hmm. And you know, we all fill in, and I was actually with our good buddy Savannah Hernandez and Elijah Schaefer. And, you know, we were sticking together for a minute, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just congregating. And to be clear, you're there as a journalist. Yes. You're there with journalist credentials, yep. and just I want everybody to understand you're not just mm-hmm. rushing into the Capitol here. Yeah, no, I, I'm a credential journalist, independent journalist, and, yeah. you know, I was there to cover whatever was going to happen that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no idea I was going to end up at the Capitol. And everyone fills in, um, you know, kind of establishes this zone, and you have, I mean, thousands of people in one area. And it's calm. You know, there's a police line. There's fences put up. I mean, nothing's happening. People are singing patriotic songs. People are, I mean, just standing around chatting. There's children. There's old ladies. I mean, just families everywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, concussion grenade comes flying over our heads deep into the crowd. And it explodes. And then you just hear the uproar. You know, everyone just, you know, F you. You know, no one was expecting it. It was completely peaceful. And then it's just a bombardment of concussion grenades nonstop. And this is on the west side. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, on the east side at the same time, you have officers letting people in. 
you know, they just prop the doors open and they're allowing people in. So one side is the exact opposite of the other. You have a war zone going on on the west side, and then it's completely peaceful on the east side and people are being allowed in. And I mean, this went on for almost an hour. Usually the images you see of people just kind of crowding into mm-hmm. it, that's that other side yep. where it's kind of a melee. And then it's peaceful on the other side, and people are being mm-hmm. led into the building. Yeah, well, and the committee doesn't show anything that took place on the east side, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a video of the Columbus doors being opened, and if people don't know, there's magnetic locking doors in every capital around the country, and right. especially the United States Capitol. <clears throat> I believe they weigh about 20,000 pounds. Yeah, like 26,000. Yeah, I mean, you have to push the button in order to unlock it. And there's video, I mean, it's on the CCTV footage, and, you know, there's a guy inside the Capitol waving to somebody, put, pointing at the doors, and, you know, he tries to open the door and there's protesters out there and the cops are like, hey, you know, stop because there's cops inside with this guy. And they're just watching him do this. And then he looks back up, you know, waves at him and then all of a sudden these doors are unlocked. So someone unlocks the door for him. He opens it up and all these protesters just walk in and start so filling the like room. So like waving at a camera? Mm-hmm. So it looked like he was, it? there's a balcony. So he's at the, these double pane doors and there's a balcony right above him because there's a staircase that goes up. Yeah. And so he's looking at somebody on the balcony that's standing right there. I mean, that person, whoever unlocked the doors was right out of view of the camera. And so people get ushered in on the east side. And then meanwhile, on the west side, you have, I mean, the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, I'm putting people out that are on fire. You know, it's on video. A guy gets hit directly with concussion grenade. I have to put him out because he's in a fur coat. You put him out. I put him out. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I have a, I don't smoke, but you know, I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette because it's insane what's going on. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, in my hearing, it's permanently damaged from the six. I've never seen use of concussion grenades like that. Pepper spray. Pretty sure I'm immune to bear spray, pepper spray, everything now. (laughs) I mean, I just inhale. You've had a little bit of all of it. Yeah. A little bit of all of it. And, uh, you you know, on the west side, it really started to escalate after the cops threw the concussion grenades. I mean, I, I classify it as a police riot. You know, and I come from a family of law enforcement, have a high respect for law enforcement. Um, but what I saw that day, I mean, it was straight up murder, you know. So stop you right there for a second. So I'm assuming from what you so somebody unlocks the door, mm-hmm. they open the door. So it's an inside job on the inside. Mm-hmm. But the instigation of the crowd, is that, in your opinion, kind of an insider thing that was premeditated, pre-motivated? Because, as you said, Trump's still got 19 minutes left mm-hmm. in his speech. The people who are there to hear that speech, they're, they're there. And now you've got this group over there. I mean, is this, is this um, a group with nefarious plans and plots from yeah, the beginning? I mean, all you got to do is look at who was leading the group, who was gathering the people. I mean, Ray Epps, he's on video on January 5th telling people we need to go into the Capitol, you know, and then he kind of backtracks it peacefully, peacefully. And then on the 6th, he's seen in multiple places on video gathering people, pointing them in the right direction. And he was the spearhead of that first group that I followed. You yeah. know, he was the one that whispered in Ryan Samsel's ear and the barriers came down. I mean, and then it was completely peaceful after that. You know, no, no one was getting hurt. It was just completely calm. And then all of a sudden, the concussion grenade comes flying and all hell just broke loose. I mean, so the police did start it in this situation. And, you know, I've covered riots around the country, you know, seen some of the craziest things in Portland and Washington, D.C. And the cops have to issue what is called an unlawful order or an unlawful Mm -hmm. assembly before they use, you know, less lethal or non-lethal munitions on a crowd. And there was no issue of it. So, I mean, they just out of nowhere, we know we're standing there and concussion grenades just start flying. People are getting maced. And, you know, I'm seeing there's kids. There's literally kids getting hit by concussion grenades. 
I mean, just all around, there's families, there's old ladies, and you see the men, a lot of the men, they, they get up and, you know, they push all the women out, they push all the kids out because now it's serious, you know? Yeah. The cops just attack these people. And a lot of the, the trend that I saw is like, you know, you swore an oath. Like, what are you doing to us? We're not Antifa. You know, we're not being violent. We're just standing here. Yeah. And eventually it led to, you know, a huge clash between Trump supporters and, you know, agitators and then the police. And I mean, it was just uncontrollable. But what I like to say is, you know, people always say that there wasn't enough police there on January 6th. And so I ask, OK, well, then, you know, who controlled the crowd? If, if the police didn't control the crowd, then who did? And it was the people. I mean, you had, I'd say, 99.9% of people there, they weren't there with ill intentions. You know, they came there and they were just there to protest. They were there to protest yeah. what they believe was a stolen election. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, 0.1% attacking officers, really instigating things. And, I mean, the, the tunnel where uh, Roseanne Boyland so died, you know, not a lot of people really know about her. It has been kind of, her information has been leaking out recently. Um, but this is the woman that they said died of a drug overdose. And they went with this narrative because she, six years ago, she was a drug addict and she's completely recovered now. I mean, it was her biggest accomplishment in life. And when she was killed in this tunnel, they just ruled it as a drug overdose because they thought it would be the easiest way to kind of brush it under the rug. There's actually video of an officer, uh, Metropolitan Police Department officer. This is at the tunnel. And they basically, this is where the big clash happened where Trump supporters were pushing into the tunnel and the police were pushing back. And everyone was just getting tear gas, I mean, covered in it. And you see this video of Roseanne Boylan being trampled because the police are just pushing people back and pushing people back. And no one in the uh, behind, I mean, they don't know what's happening. You can't see more than five feet in front of you. So it's just a constant push and people, you know, 20 feet back are pushing and they don't even, they can't even see the tunnel. They don't even know what's going on up there. So Roseanne Boylan is being trampled. And then a video comes out from MSNBC where they tried to show a Trump supporter basically being aggressive and attacking a cop. But they cut out the part before that of where Roseanne Boylan is getting, you know, beaten to death, essentially, on the ground by a female officer named Lila Morris. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the bottom corner, they actually were the ones that brought it to our attention because, you know, they, they said that they attacked him just because. But no, they attacked him because they ripped life-saving aid. Someone was giving Roseanne Boylan CPR and they ripped him off of her. You know, right after they had just all witnessed them beating him. And in the MSNBC footage, they, they really messed up because in the bottom right corner, it just shows Lila Morris with a stick going overhand, beating Roseanne Boylan's unconscious body over and over again. And new footage has resurfaced. I mean, she was purple and black. And mm. I, I talked to an eyewitness named Philip Anderson, a decent buddy of mine, actually. And he was holding her hand under the pile when, you know, it all happened. He, he was with the, the stampede. He was, you know, kind of stampeded. And then he said that he was in, it felt like he, you know, was swimming because of how much mace and how much tear gas and everything that they were covered in. I mean, and they were just blatantly beating these people in this tunnel and they lied about it. And this is just one of the very first things that they lied about, one of the deaths they lied about that day. So I know that a lot of the pushback from people who probably will, will you know, ask the question as far as what you're saying is, you know, at what point in time was it the concussion grenades? Was it that type of thing that motivated people to continue pushing in? You know, why did the crowd continue pushing towards the Capitol rather than just dispersing and going the other way? Yeah, no, and that's a good question. But I think it was confusion is mm. because, I mean, five feet in front, you can't even see what's going on. And you have hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, I've never seen that many people. And, before and to in my be life. honest, I, I, I'd been at the Stop the Steal rally. Mm -hmm. I'd been at, I'd been in D.C. twice prior to that, uh, sit, you know, from the election to January 6th. I didn't go on January 6th. Could have gone. Had somebody with a private jet said, come on, go with us. And I said, mm -hmm. I'm just not supposed to be there today. Yep. Well, and you actually, and they were like, why? And I was like, I'm just not supposed to be there today. Mm hmm. 
Yep. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, multiple people that I know, I mean, Milo Yiannopoulos was reached out to on January 5th and told not to go. Mm-hmm. That something was going to happen. He thought it was weird, so he didn't go. And uh, Baked Alaska was actually reached out to, and he was the one that filmed the video of Ray Epps. He lives in the exact same small town, uh, Peoria, I believe, in Arizona, where Ray Epps happens to live. And the FBI gave him a call the day before and said, hey, you know, we'd like to talk to you about tomorrow. And he's mm. like, what's going on tomorrow? And, you know, he didn't, wasn't interested. He doesn't talk to the feds. So he's like, yeah, no, I'll pass you on to my attorney if you have anything. And, but they were telling him, hey, don't go to January 6th. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to go. Screw it. But and then the next thing you know, Ray Epps is uh, right next to Baked Alaska, and he's filming a video of him telling people to go into the Capitol. Mm. And so it's, it's really just a bunch of very convenient coincidences. But to touch on the topic of, you know, why people didn't stop is nobody knew what was going on. I mean, at the very beginning, you know, it was just a push and a push. Yeah, and that was my point, Mm saying I've been there before, so I know what that crowd's like. Yeah, well, and I mean, it was, you know, the craziest thing I've ever seen, to be honest with you. And one of the biggest things is it got to the point of where, you know, I mean, Trump supporters, you know, people on the right, they typically back the police. And I mean, this was the ultimate betrayal to see these cops, I mean, literally hitting children with concussion grenades, throwing them deep into the crowd, instigating this crowd for no reason. And there's a video of where one of these cops... Uh, make an arrest and they pull this guy off and they're just beating him just bashing him for over 30 seconds they take out his baton he's not resisting arrest and you have three cops on this guy just beating him this is in front of this entire crowd so of course it's going to piss him off and i mean it just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and then finally it hit a breaking point of the police attacking the crowd and the people fighting back and that's when you know that the initial stair push happened Mm. and it was actually because a man named Derek vargo uh, climbed the wall and he's trying to get over and a police officer instead of you know picking him up and making the arrest, he actually pushes him off this uh, two-story wall. And Derek Vargo was unconscious. I mean, he shattered both of his legs in every area. And that's what really set people off, is that's when the push up the stairs happened and then the Capitol was breached on the west side. I mean, when the Capitol doors were breached, I mean, I walked up these stairs with thousands of people and both these doors were swung wide open. Yeah. And little did I know, you know, I was walking into the, the biggest trap I think America has ever seen in, in quite a while. And I want to stop there because I want to bring this up. I want to get into that going into the Capitol. I'm going to talk about it in the next mm-hmm. segment. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've gotten to know Mark Middleton, who's ran for office here in Texas. He's still dealing with it. He was there. He and his wife were literally, literally praying at the Capitol, embracing mm-hmm. one another. And, and they started getting beaten with batons. And now they're still in these legal battles from this whole thing. So I've heard that testimony over and mm-hmm. over again. People just there, you know, and, yep. and all of a sudden now it's either batons or concussion grenades and it's crazy stuff um so hang on taylor hang on we're gonna get back into it uh folks crazy stuff going on in the world today you know that uh i'm concerned you should be concerned if the system crashes everybody's gonna suffer doesn't matter who you voted for everybody uh the folks who wisely invest in long-term emergency food storage they're gonna be the people who make it they're gonna be the folks that are all right I do not want you to be a victim of what's coming. I strongly urge you to go to my special webpage, preparewithchad.com. You're going to find a deal that you can't beat. It's $150 off a three-month emergency food kit from my friends at My Patriot Supply. The food kit contains a wide variety of great, delicious meals. This is not bunker food. It's enough to last three solid months per person, plus these meals provide... I can't talk more than 2,000 calories a day to keep up your strength and energy. Listen, folks, this kit is something every American family is going to wish they had. You can have it. Go to preparewithchad.com. Claim that $150 savings per kit. Get one kit per family member. That's important. It's going to ship fast. It's going to ship free. It's going to arrive in unmarked boxes, discreet for your privacy. Preparewithchad.com. Do it today. Go to preparewithchad.com. We'll be right back. 
All right. So at that point, people are going into the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. The doors are open. People are going in. Were they going in on that west side or the other side? Or Yeah, they were already let in on the east side yeah. by the police and yeah. by whoever unlocked that magnetic door. And then on the west side, I mean, the doors were wide open. And they, the windows actually were broken out first. So they were broken out on both sides. And, you know, a guy that we'll get into later, um, someone that I called, you know, Red Polo, uh, Red Flat Brim. I mean, there's a lot of names for him. He was in the room with Ashley when she was shot, you know, acting Ashley very suspicious. Yeah. yeah, taken off the FBI's most wanted list. He actually threw a two by four through the window. He's on camera doing it. You know, the video has been released, but no one's questioned him. No one's talked to him. He's just basically disappeared. And, you know, that's really what stoked it. I wasn't up there for that. And I walk up and both doors are swung wide open and there's a hand. So, so I know Ashley Babbitt's name, right? Because she mm-hmm. got shot and killed. Yep. And, and I know these various other names, but we still don't know that guy's name. Mm-mm. Right? No, we don't know multiple and, and, people's and just names. And just to, again, to remind everybody, you're sitting here rattling off people's names, mm-hmm. right? People that are involved, but you don't know the guy who threw the, you don't know the name of the guy who threw the two by four. Nope, and I've investigated it for over a year now. Yeah. Yeah, his, his identity is Suspicious, secret. huh? Yeah, suspicious to say the least, Chad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I walk in and, you know, there's an alarm going off and there's a hallway to the left, there's a hallway to the right, and both are just packed with people. So, you know, I, I end up going to the right, and as I'm walking down this hallway, you know, people are just chanting, stop the steal. You know, just almost everyone has their cameras out. I mean, it was literally, you know, how Marjorie describes it. It was a tourist event. I mean, it was just a tour. These people were walking around just amazed to be in the Capitol. They've never been here before, never thought they'd be able to see the inside, and now they're just walking around with their cameras. And as you walk down straight, there's a spiral staircase, and I see people begin to go up it. But then, you know, a set of doors that are propped open to the left kind of catch my eye. I walk in, and there's three people all masked up completely, you know, in tactical gear, mm-hmm. and they're just acting weird. They're looking for something. And, you know, I go in, and one kind of, like, does this to me, like, tells me to stop. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. And they're, they're clearly looking for something. I don't know if it was, you know, the, the laptop team or what it was. Um, and so I turn around, you know, it's like, okay, that was a little weird. And I start walking down again and I have a video of it, just, you know, two second video and I'm videoing and I kind of pan to the right and there's people getting changed in this stairwell and, you know, from black block into Trump gear and they have a security guard just standing there in all black. And I was they're like, they're changing, they're changing clothes into yeah, inside Trump of the Capitol gear. in Trump gear. And, you know, you never hear anyone talk about the people that are changing clothes, but they were everywhere that day. And, you know, at, at the time I was like, oh, you got the right idea, you know, because I thought, okay, you're covered in tear gas, you know, you're covered in all these chemicals, you know, you want to get out of these clothes. But why do you have an extra set of clothes? You know, why do you have gas masks in your bag and all this tactical gear with Kevlar vests? And, you know, I didn't really think about that later, um, but I keep walking down and I end up going up the spiral staircase. And as I go up the spiral staircase, we end up in uh, what I believe, you know, it's, it's the dome area. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're just sitting there. There's a police line. Everything's calm. And then all of a sudden, you know, gas is, is basically pushed and it just came out of nowhere. You know, they started gassing people inside, inside the, Capitol. inside the Capitol. Yeah. And I've never, you know, in my mind, it's probably not a good idea to throw tear gas in an enclosed space, but especially I mean, when you got lawmakers, yeah, especially in yeah, there. yeah, in yeah session. I mean, that they're supposed to protect, right? Yeah, and I mean, we see this as a common reoccurrence. I mean, them gassing people, them instigating the crowd. I mean, this crowd was perfectly fine, and then it just gets set off, and then they push past this, you know, the Capitol Rotunda, and there's a hallway, and this leads directly to the speaker's doors, and that's when you see, you know, the the, the popular pictures of the uh, sergeant at arms aiming firearms at people through the the broken windows and stuff, and people were just a mass. And you know, I ran into Jacob Chansley, the Q shaman. And the cops actually came out and they said, hey, you know, we'll let you in, but you have to be peaceful. So when then Jake Chansley gets on the microphone, another individual does, and they're trying to calm the crowd down saying, hey, they're going to let us in. You know, like, I mean, they're straight up negotiating with the police right in front of me. And the cops are saying, yeah, we'll let you in. You know, in just a few minutes, you just have to be peaceful, be quiet. 
you know, and we'll let you sit in on the session. I mean, this is what the cops were saying. They're on camera saying it. Mm. And so the crowd kind of calms down a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Zachary Alam, he, uh, we'll get into him a little bit later, but he's the one that broke the windows out in the speaker's hallway. Um, you know, he just comes from behind the police line and starts yelling. I mean, he's f- behind these police officers and which is very suspicious and starts yelling and making a big scene. And then that was enough to get people to push forward. And that's when they conglomerated on the door. And as they, you know, kind of conglomerated on the door, I'm just looking around and nothing's really happening. And there's a hallway to my left. So I just walk down it and I take a left and there's this huge room and all it has in it is just this giant George Washington portrait. And so, you know, I walk in, I check it out. There's a bunch of people in there. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. And a guy tries to touch it. I'm like, dude, don't touch that. Like, Mm. that's that's the highest form of disrespect you can do. I was like, don't touch that. And touches it anyways. And I walk out. And I was like, okay. And that's when I laid eyes on Ashley Babbitt. And she was on her phone. You know, she's just walking alone. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to follow her. Because she was the only one in this hallway. And she's just... Does, you know, has no idea where she's at, anything of the sorts. Um, it looked like she was like, you know, just scrolling, you know, texting somebody. I don't know if it was, you know, to Aaron, her husband or anything. Um, and I, I just followed her. And I just had like a gut instinct. I was like, okay, I need to be next to this, this woman. And, you know, me and her, there's a video that I released that completely blows up the narrative of what they said happened when the, the protesters first got into the speaker's hallway. Um, it's me and her walking side mm-hmm. by side. And, you know, I ask one of these, uh, these Sergeant Arms employees, he's just alone, you know, which if there's dangerous terrorists in the Capitol, you're not going to be alone scrolling on your phone, not paying attention. And, you know, completely calm. And he's walking with his back turned to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I ask him, I was like, hey, you know, how are you doing? I tell him to stay safe. And he tells me, have a good day. And, you know, so that was just completely innocent interaction. He wasn't scared. He wasn't worried about anything. And then me and Ashley take a right and we turn into what is the speaker's hallway where she was eventually shot. And the video uh, of us walking up, you know, you hear me and Officer Kyle Yetter is on the left and he had been sprayed by a fire extinguisher or something. Mm -hmm. So he's covered in just white powder. And, you know, I I talked to him. I said, hey, man, like, it looks like you got it worse than me. And I giggle and because I'm covered, you know, I'm just basically sweating you know gas at this point mm. and you know i'm laughing with him and ashley's laughing with the other officers are having a conversation i offer him a bottle of water and you know that's not very terrorist like what we hear the official narrative is you know but we were the first people in the room we were very welcoming we were very kind you know and then all of a sudden you know it starts to fill in you know people started to follow and it just started to fill in and then it started to get a little crazy and zachary alam comes to the front and he begins breaking the windows. You have three officers standing in front of these doors, and he is punching to the left, to the right, you know, right to, uh, on the side of the heads. The officers are flinching, but they can't do anything. They're just standing there. And in my video, you know, you can hear me. I'm yelling at him. I'm like, dude, chill out. Like, you can't be doing this. And you're this. videoing all I'm of this. I'm videoing all of this. It's all on video. And I'm, you know, yelling, chill the F out, dude. Like, stop, stop. And Officer Kyle Yetter, I mean, he's terrified. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's a newer officer, I and mean, you can see it on his face. And John Sullivan is right behind me. And that's actually where I started my reporting in Utah. I had no idea John Sullivan was in the room with me, um, but I used to infiltrate his group, Insurgents USA, in Utah, you know, more of a left-leaning yeah. uh, pro-2A group. And, and he's there in And the he's hallway. there, in, right next to me, couldn't be closer to me. You know, me and him are shoulder to shoulder. I didn't even realize it. And I hear someone telling the cops, like, hey, you need to leave. You know, I don't want you to get hurt. We'll make a path for you. He's trying to convince these cops to leave so and then these people can take down the doors. And... You know, and then that's when I cut in. I don't know who's talking, but I get closer to Officer Yetter and I say, hey, you know, I'm a credentialed journalist. I'm not here to do anything. I'll stand here. You know, I'm going to make sure you're safe. It's going to be fine. And, you know, he, he nods his head and is like, okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, all hell breaks loose and Zachary Alam starts breaking the windows. 
and the cops end up shifting over, and you have a man in the flagpole hand Zachary Alam a Kevlar helmet after these cops shift over, and he starts just breaking these window panes in, and mm-hmm. no one's there to stop him. And, I mean, the cops, you had the CERT team coming up. It's a tactical team. And they're coming up as these cops basically squeeze out to the side and allow these doors just to be essentially ransacked. And the, the CERT team and this, uh, the regular team meet up on the staircase, and it's on video as well, and they're kind of discussing things. I mean, they didn't feel like the situation was escalating enough to even make a single arrest or let alone to tell people to stop what they were doing. They just moved out of the way and allowed it to happen. And this is when Ashley actually ends up being shot. And she's seen on video multiple times, you know, getting frustrated with the police saying, you know, call effing help, call backup. We're allowed to be here. She's getting frustrated with these rioters in this area that are breaking the windows. And especially Zachary Alam, you know, individually. And she's on camera multiple times yelling, you know, stop, you know, telling him to stop what he's doing. And finally, she just had enough. And this is the the part, Chad, where you never hear about this because, you know, Ashley Babbitt, according to the media and to the January 6th committee, she was a dangerous terrorist who didn't serve 14 years in the Air Force. We could just forget all about that or her, you know, four deployments overseas. And she actually grabs Zachary Alam. She gives him one more warning and he doesn't listen. So he walks up to him, grabs him with her right hand by the backpack, pulls him and then hits him with a left hook right in the face. And, you know, this is on camera, too. I walked it step by step. And this, you know, he falls down because his glasses fell. So he's readjusting. And from the time that she punched him in the face and went through the window and was shot, it was seven seconds. So she grabs Zachary Alam, punches him, and then hops through the window herself. And, you know, I would love to ask Ashley, you know, why she did that. But I can't because she was shot. Um, But in my mind, you know, and, you know, now knowing more about Ashley and being very close with the family and just from what she was doing trying she was literally trying to stop what they were and doing. obviously you've gotten to know the yeah. family since yeah very close this, yeah. and uh you know i'm very thankful for that as well and she all she was doing is she was literally trying to do the cops jobs for him i mean you, you can see it on her she's visibly frustrated that these cops are not doing anything i mean they're literally not even trying to stop these people they're not giving verbal warnings they're not doing anything and they shift over and that's really what just set her off and that's when she grabs zach punches him and goes to the window and you know what i think she was trying to do is from a tactical standpoint ashley was a very tactical person you know she's serving the air force multiple deployments is is it easier to stop a crowd from doing something when you're in the room with the crowd and you're cornered or is it easier to be on the opposite side and push people as they're coming through the windows and that's you know what i thought her mindset was and still do think uh, her mindset was to this day is she wanted to get to the other side of the glass so she could help you know, and she's on camera, like I said, trying to help these officers, and they just don't care about anything going on. So she goes through the window, and Michael Bird is hiding, literally hiding uh, behind this barrier and behind this wall. She had no idea he was there, and he shoots her. You know, no verbal warning. I was the closest to Michael Bird. The window pane was broken out. So if anyone would have heard a verbal warning, it would have been me. Yeah. There was no verbal warning. The only verbal warnings that came were from John Sullivan saying, hey, He's got a gun because John sees the gun. And then I repeat it. I said, hey, there's a gun. There's a gun. But the room was so loud, you couldn't hear anything. I mean, you had over 100 people pushed into this one room. So you couldn't even hear, you know, two people over. And, you know, Ashley obviously didn't hear this warning. She's very familiar with the rules of engagement. You know, she had to learn it herself. And she goes to this window and she's essentially executed. All right. Hang tight. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish this story. Um, Dude, crazy stuff. Uh, hey folks, I went to the uh, mailbox the other day and I was excited when I opened it up and there was a brand new box from Bespoke Post, their new seasonal lineup. 
of Box of Awesome Collections is incredible. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. No matter what you have going on this season, Box of Awesome has you covered. They got the camping gear. They got the beach stuff. They got travel stuff. They got bar stuff. I mean, it's just lifestyle. It's incredible. Box of Awesome has everything you need for this summer. I love the Carnivore Box. The American Barbecue Rub and the Carnivore Box is made by the Great American Spice Company in Rockford, Michigan. Uh, here's what you do, folks. If you want to get this cool stuff, go to boxofawesome.com. Take a little quiz. Your answers are going to help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They're going to release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, each one valued around $70, but you only pay a fraction of that. Plus, with each Box of Awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand, so it's free to sign up. You can skip a month. You can cancel anytime easy to do it get 20 percent off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com enter the code watchchad at checkout that's boxofawesome.com use code watchchad for 20 percent off your first box of awesome we'll be right back So you're there, you're videotaping, Ashley goes through the window. Why? Ultimately, we don't know. We'll never know. Uh, supposedly, there's a verbal command. Nobody hears that. She gets shot. She goes down. What happens then? Yeah, so and then the, uh, you know, three of us in the room, actually, you know, protesters and journalists had to render aid to her because the cops just, you know, they were, they were, in, they were just surprised that it happened. You know, nobody realized that it was a gunshot at first. Someone thought it was a window pane breaking. And she falls down. You see a sergeant of arms employee shift her backwards, and then they don't touch her. So, you know, I get down, and, and two other uh, journalists get down, and we start rendering aid. We're trying to find where the gunshot wound is. And we begin unwrapping her scarf, and the guy next to me tells me to shine a flashlight. So I turn my flashlight on, and, you know, we just cannot find this gunshot wound anywhere. And we pull part of her shirt down after we get the scarf off of her, and it's in her left anterior shoulder, almost right in her neck as well. And, I mean, it's just you know, pumping blood out of it. So we, we try and put pressure on it. And at this time, I mean, the cops are screaming at us. They're telling uh, us that, you know, it's their job to render aid, that they're the ones that are supposed to be doing it. I mean, and they're just standing around not doing it. And eventually, you know, they, they get us to stop helping Ashley and all of us, you know, have her blood on our hands. And um, that's when, you know, the cops decide that they're going to pick her up and they're going to carry her upside down, down the stairs like a dead dog. And, you know, they let her sit there for about, I'd say, a minute or two before anyone even touched her or anything. And she's sitting there choking on her own blood. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this this gunshot wound, it went from her left interior shoulder and lodged into the right side of her body. I mean, and this was a survivable gunshot wound. And the way that they carried her upside down down the stairs, it caused her to choke even more. I mean, all they needed to do was clear her throat. And I honestly think, you know, she had a potential of surviving. And... Um, after that, the, uh, the cops are on video contaminating the crime scene on three separate occasions. You have one cop that walks over, steps in her pile of blood, realizes it looks at his shoe, and another cop grabs him and yanks him away. And then the second cops go over, and you know they, uh, Ashley was wearing an OB brewery beanie, and he throws that beanie in the pile of blood, and then the sergeant arms employee takes his nylon gloves off and throws that in the pile of blood, too. Mm. I mean, so there was no crime scene preserved absolutely at all, and I think it was intentional. And you know they, they take Ashley down, and you know I at this point, I'm in shock. You know, I stumble out of the Capitol. I'm staring at my feet. I don't even know how I get out. You know, I end up two blocks away, four blocks away. And next thing I know, I know I get a call from my mom saying, you know, like, are you okay? I just saw your video. And I guess, you know, it had uploaded while I was walking away from the Capitol. And it just had like 1.6 million views in 10 minutes. Um, you know, I'm still pretty shaken up. And then about 20 minutes after, that's when I see the first ambulance fly by. And that was the ambulance Ashley was loaded in. I mean, so they took over 20 minutes 
after she was shot to even render her actual medical care and get her into an ambulance and take her to a hospital. But you never hear I mean, anything about that. But I mean, it wasn't just Ashley that day. I mean, it was five people that they killed, including, you know, Officer Brian Sicknick. They, he, they, he had a stroke at around two. You know, there was witnesses that tried to get him help. They, the cops said, yeah, we'll get him help. It's our job. Didn't get him help. And then around 8 o'clock, we had another witness who was a combat medic. He tried to render aid. He was being arrested. He said, hey, I know him. Let me help him. He looks bad. Like, he needs help. He's going to die. And no one helped him. And I like to retouch on the, the you know, speaker's lobby is the DOJ recently had to release uh, what their, their fact list is, essentially. You know, what took place inside that room because Judicial Watch filed a FOIA request and it came through successful. And they lied about every single detail. I mean, they said that the officers rendered aid immediately. That's disprovable on video. It was us rendering aid to her while they stood by and were cowards and just watched. And, you know, they said that, that three officers had their handguns drawn. Only one officer had their handgun drawn. And Michael Byrd actually left his handgun in a bathroom stall loaded in 2019 inside the Capitol. He was never punished for it. Mm. His quote is, I will be treated differently because of my uh, rank as lieutenant. Never, you know, never was punished. He shouldn't even have been there that day to put that bullet in Ashley, but he was because he has special privileges. And I mean, from every single detail they lied about on this DOJ report. And like you had touched on earlier, you know, I have been begging for months now for the January 6th commi- uh, committee to subpoena me or so, you know, I can voluntarily turn over evidence, but they won't talk to me. I'm the only one in the room that either, you know, wasn't uh, taken off the FBI's most wanted list and then no one's ever heard from again or arrested. And, you know, it all makes sense now with the release of that DOJ statement why they don't want to talk to me because my video, it disproves the everything, you know, the whole official narrative about Ashley Babbitt. At one point, they even said that, you know, she was being aggressive and they had to push her back. Mm. But, you know, she's on camera the entire time not being aggressive. I mean, actively trying to help the police, getting frustrated at the police, yes, because they're not doing their job. I mean, but they lied through and through on this report and they will not talk to me. I mean, I am begging these people, you know, if you're watching this January 6th, you know, Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, any of you idiots on this committee, subpoena me. I want to provide evidence. I want to tell my story. I mean, hell, you can even charge me with any you know crazy drummed up charge you want to do so I can get my witness statement in mm. because this disproves absolutely everything around Ashley Babbitt. You know, I'm truly tired of the, the government and the media calling this woman a terrorist when she served her country for 14 years and was there literally trying to help the police stop what was going on. Yeah. I mean, it's the highest level of depravity. It's disgusting. And, you know, it's it's just a common theme. And, you know, Ashley Babbitt deserved it. I mean, this is what you hear over yeah. and over and over again. You know, and if anyone deserved it in that room, I mean, it was nobody, but it was Zachary Alam, the man breaking the windows, the man that was responsible for busting these things out that Ashley eventually went through. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about it a little bit more. we got to go to a break. I hate it to go on a break, but got to do it. Uh, hey, hair loss can be tough. Trust me, I know. Uh, you sit in your pictures, your barber points it out to you, and now you're shopping for baseball caps or cowboy hats, whatever. Uh, so what are you going to do about it? If your plan is a buzz cut, don't shave it. Save it with Keeps. Keeps has clinically proven, FDA-approved hair treatments available online. Whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or take care of the hair you have, your Keeps physician will help you select the right products and develop a personalized hair-saving routine that works for you. It's easy. You don't have to wait in you know, the waiting room or go see the doctor. You don't have to do the pharmacy visits, none of that. It's delivered straight to your door at about half the cost. That's half the cost. And if you have questions, you can message your Keeps doctor 24-7. So don't listen to the balding jokes. Uh, join thousands of guys who have saved their hair. Visit keeps.com slash loss for 50% off your first order. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash loss. Keeps.com slash loss. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's take a quick little break from all of the heaviness. You thought I was going to forget you and not wax eloquent today, but I am. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you were to time travel back to the callow days of youth, tell me that I would one day have a television show and then explain to me that I would be talking in detail about Lizzo and her musical stylings. I would first have to ask you who the hell is Lizzo, but then I'd be flabbergasted and maybe even a little flattered. Yet here we are again, and I'm one more time taking up microphone in hand to impart unto you the latest scandal caught in this particular woman's rather powerful orbit. Now, if I were to say the word spaz to you, what's the first thing that would pop into your mind? If your answer is ableist slur for disabled people, I want you to do me a favor. Go outside, find the biggest rock you can lift, and knock some sense into yourself with it. Just bash yourself right in the head and get your brain working, okay? Uh, That's a fairly safe thing to say because the wokesters who took to the internet against Lizzo for using that word in a song aren't watching this show, I don't think, at least not yet. They're too busy stooping over their keyboards in masturbatory fury in the dim light of mom's basement to be bothered with the likes of me and thee. One of Lizzo's songs, if we want to be all linguistically loosey-goosey and call it that, includes the word spaz, which is short for spastic, and in this country denotes someone who's acting crazy. Now, if you've ever been around a 12-year-old kid who's been cooped up in the car for too many hours eating Skittles, well, just think that. But no sooner had the song dropped, because what they really should be called is droppings. Uh, anyway, no sooner had the song dropped than every, than every social justice warrior in the world decided to hop on Lizzo's back, and it's a big back. And they took a ride. It's not a comfortable metaphor, but there's plenty of room there on that back. Trust me. And here's where the story gets a little sad, folks. This is the part where, at the very least, you roll your eyes a little bit. Lizzo caved. That's right. She re-released the song with the word spaz taken out of it. This is the world we're living in. Uh, And many people praised her for doing so. These days, sticking to your guns and defending what you said is a dying art. But sadly, not everyone thought that this absolved her of her sins. Trust me, it never works. Uh, we all know this. In the age of cancel culture, there can be no apology, which actually leaves you sinless. The woke world is a world without redemption. You know it. I know it. Now, will Lizzo get canceled over this? No, of course not. She's a rotund black woman who carries all the right woke cards, and she'll likely weather this one as well. But the fact that it's even a matter to be wondered about is sickening. Folks on the liberal side of things may not like the notion that is floating around conservative circles these days, the notion that we need a parallel economy. And it's exactly because this sort of thing is happening all the time. That's why we need it. We need an arena in which to have the contest of ideas without constant interference from parties who absolutely do. Uh, They just don't contribute anything positive to the mix. And Lizzo, Lizzo, if you decide you don't want to be part of the woke culture anymore, if you're tired of getting crapped on by the people you try so hard to please all the time, well, come join us over here on the non-canceling side. I mean, you still need to get a little bit more talent. We can even work on that. Oh, Lizzo. Do you listen to a lot of Lizzo? Lizzo? Of course, yeah. Lizzo has to be my favorite artist. I mean, immediately on the playlist, right? Uh, 100%. Wow. Uh, They're going to cancel you no matter what. It's insanity. Um, But back to the drama. We've got a couple of minutes. And do me a favor. Why don't you come back tomorrow? Mm -hmm. We we won't talk about January 6th tomorrow. I want to talk about some of this other stuff, like the grooming and the drag stuff that's going on. We'll get into that. But I I want you to hang out some more. You just, you just, it's first time on the show, and I want you back a lot because I enjoy this. Good company. Yeah, I love it. Um, What's the takeaway here? I mean, surely you're not telling me. Let's just take, let's just take a minute here, maybe two minutes. Surely you're not telling me that the American government, the United States government, is up to some kind of nefarious means that would 
maybe create a plot that they just they're so anti-Trump. I mean, what, why would they do such a thing? Oh, well, Chad, we know that the American government, I mean, the most trustworthy government in the world, they <laughs> would truly never do anything to hurt the American people, to paint, I mean, just a dishonest picture. I mean, we can trust these people with absolutely anything. I mean, I think we should just hand our guns over to them. And I think they're being oh, honest yeah. about everything they're saying. But no, in reality, Chad, I mean, of course, they, they're using the American people. I mean, they're bullying the American people. You have J6 detainees that are still in pretrial detainment. I mean, something we've never seen before, being thrown in solitary confinement, beaten by guards. I mean, molested by guards. There's a lot of crazy reports coming mm-hmm. out of that uh, D.C. Gitmo jail. Um, and really all of this is, is, I mean, you just look at who benefits. The national security apparatus, you know, the three-letter agencies. And you'll probably see, you know, mo- kind of post 9-11 bills, you know, you're going to see the Patriot Act, point two. You're going to see bills that actually come from the January 6th committee. Is you know, I've told people all along, the January 6th committee is not about January 6th. Right. It's about regaining power and it's about maintaining power. And that's all these people care about. Yeah, and they want to make sure Trump never runs again. Mm-hmm. Anybody associated with Trump has nothing to do with with politics ever again. And we again. saw what they tried to do with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. I mean, they tried doing the exact same thing, trying to make her not run again. And of course, she beat that because there was no uh, real basis behind it. I mean, she was a a Congress freshman, you know, three days in when January 6th happened and they tried calling her an insurrectionist and that she planned it, which obviously we know wasn't true. Yeah. I mean, but these people are coming from everybody. And, you know, of course, Trump is at the very tip top, but, you know, they'll take anyone that they can to at least tie Trump in. I mean, we saw what they did to Peter Navarro, you know, an old mm. man, they arrested him instead of just reached out to him. They got to march him in cuffs because it's all about the publicity. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for doing what you do. And, and I hope you get that day where you can kind of tell your story um, in, in front of that, that, you know, hopefully this will... You know, one of these days be some kind of a catalyst to get that done. So thank you. And um, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is at TaylorUSA. It's T-A-Y-L-E-R. And I'm actually working on a January 6th documentary uh, in partnership with OAN. Yeah. The producer is going to be uh, Nick Reedy. You guys can follow him on Twitter. It's Nick Reedy 27 um, awesome. for kind of updates on that. And then I'm at TaylorUSA. But it's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be big. And we're going to talk about it some more tomorrow as well to make sure that everybody knows what's coming. Of course. Uh, but we're going to get into some of these other projects that you're working on because we just didn't have time today. Um, uh, as you know, as we've discussed, politically charged times, I need you conservatives to vote with your dollars, okay? We talk about parallel economy. Minutemen Coffee is a perfect example of that. They are the coffee for American patriots. They're doing it right. they got the right kind of just mindset for business. Constitutionally based, family-owned company, steadfast in their belief that all freedom-loving Americans deserve products from companies that share their beliefs without fear of cancellation or retaliation from the woke mob. Minutemen Coffee, they believe in your constitutional rights. They put a constitution in everything you order so you can bring the important conversation to your coffee table, educate the next generation of constitutional patriots. It's amazing coffee, small batched, handcrafted. It's from family farms across the globe, roasted to perfection, delivered fresh to you. It's really good coffee, folks. It hits the mark when it comes to taste and aroma. You're going to love it as much as I do. Plus, uh, you're going to get a full pound for less than what most companies charge for only 12 ounces. That's just a cup. Minutemen Coffee's got a special going. I've told you about it. I'm still going to tell you about it. Three bags of their Heritage Roast. Put it in your cart. Add their Trader Joe, and it's going to be free as well as free shipping. If you don't like that deal at MinutemenCoffee.com, don't use that offer. Go and use promo code CHAD. I spell it Chad at checkout. For 15% off your order, join the coffee revolution, MinutemenCoffee.com. Wake up without going woke. We'll be right back. Follow him at Taylor. That's T-A-Y-L-E-R-U-S-A, at Taylor USA. 
Uh, good work, good stuff, and more tomorrow. This is one of those deals, folks, where we're, we're going to put this on YouTube. We'll see how long this episode's able to stay up. We certainly can't run it like we normally do with other episodes because of the content of it. That's why you need to subscribe to The Blaze because I'm telling you, they're going to continue to censor us and voices like ours. So go to blazetv.com slash Chad. Use promo code Chad to save. Sign up. And you need to catch my overtime. We're going to talk about this uh, effects on children this week, that this sexualization in in culture is happening. You don't want to miss that. It's important. And I'm going to arm you with truth to help you engage this culture war that's going on. And it's bad. Your kids are at stake. Go to watchchad.com. Come see me, Shawnee, Oklahoma, Friday night. We love you. God bless you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.